0: Welcome to the MCO Advisors Podcast.
1: In this episode, Ryan and Corey talk about common mistakes that advisors make in the industry and how you can avoid them. Morning Keith. <laughs> That's like, uh, you remember years ago, people would be like, they would write first on like the comments. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, it's so funny. Uh, somebody else made the good advisors finish first page. Um, I saw somebody made it and I was going to comment there cause I got there first and I was going to be like first post. And I was like, wait, this is kind of professional and I don't want to be <laughs> kind of, kind of an ass. Awesome. So, um, uh, and then, and right. So I just, I didn't do that, but I, it's funny you said that cause I literally thought of that like, uh. The other, like a couple days ago. Yeah, that's awesome. Morning, Nick. What's Good morning, up,
1: everybody. Yeah, this is, uh, I love Fridays because we can get off the rails a little bit. I feel like we get a decent audience on a Friday. People are mm-hmm. just looking to casually get into their day. So um, I came up with a topic today and uh, I'm sure you've seen it by now, Ryan. But the the topic today is the biggest mistake advisors make. And I want to ask you that on a global level answer it however you want to answer it and from there we can get into uh,
0: some subtopics oh man what a broad did you question. know the topic
1: before i asked no, you
0: no i looked and i saw the biggest mistake advisor but i didn't actually click on the title so i just thought there would be more to it <laughs> but there's not that's just it. there is not um i would say i don't know that's a good question I guess because it's different different for everybody. It depends where you start, you know, and then the, and then I guess it would just, I really think it depends where you start because the the biggest mistake is usually that people don't have enough knowledge to get going. And I think that's why people struggle so much because they force themselves in a sales position and that's, but I, I don't know how to fix the problem, but it'd be nice. Obviously if the industry had more of an infrastructure around a cleaner salary paid without quotas where people could learn proper financial planning from the beginning. I think a lot of people don't learn until a couple years in and everybody has the same story about how they started. They got somewhere, somebody tried to train them, they start selling stuff. Um, so my guess would be maybe starting off on the right foot and figuring out what that means, both like technically and ethically. I'm One thing I'm learning is the extreme
1: numbers game that's being played from the top down. And I don't know if that basically answers the question that you or just plays into the question or the answer you just gave to the question, which is these t- from the top down, um, the larger companies are just trying to bring in as many potential advisors as they can. And yeah. then seeing who's left after the dust settles.
0: Yeah, you, you you give somebody a certain amount of money, like a salary, because then I think you're able to accumulate you know, money. So if an advisor fails, like you paid them some, but you get to keep everything that's there. At least I think that was the old profit oriented infrastructure or now infrastructure current still where we're not thinking like companies aren't thinking about advisors first, but th- that's why it's hard for me to answer that because, um, you know, that's, that's not necessarily an advisor's fault, I guess. Uh, I mean, that is an advisor's fault for also being somewhere that they shouldn't be in the same way. You know, we have to take responsibility for what we're doing.
1: So are you saying that most advisors are too young and novice to even know how to navigate
0: those early years? Well, yeah, you only know what you're told from the beginning and you trust somebody who, you know, and then you kind of realize that uh, maybe there's a better way to do things. I don't know. So what would
1: you, like someone comes to you?
0: I'm just going based off the conversations I hear all the time too. For me, like my biggest mistake was just not working hard enough. You know, I just didn't, I didn't create enough relationships. I didn't take what I knew now and actually, actually do it. You know, I didn't, I didn't try. So me was just being, being like comfort and, and, and calm in my spot and not, not going to get it and putting my feet to the fire. So I think, you know, quotas can seem like a bad thing. And I think sometimes it makes people successful. It's just, it's not right for the end person. The, the pressure sometimes builds the advisor, but it's not always right for the person you're planning for. So it's that's why I say it's hard to answer that question because it depends where you start because uh, my answer would be different than somebody who may, may feel trapped at the moment and or somebody who went out on their own and did their own RIA. It's, you know, I don't know.
1: Then let me put it to you in a different way. Why do most advisors fail? Why do so many advisors fail, not most? <laughs>
0: Because it's it's a relationship game and it takes a long time to build. And most people either aren't in the infrastructure to handle that or to tolerate the time it takes. And obviously, it's a matter of skill because we're forcing people into an entrepreneurial world. So if you're going to get a job, I think you'd be a lot more people are successful when they have the salary and, they ha- and they're and they're learning that process. But if you're mm-hmm. if you're thrown to the wolves, which most people are, then that's what happens um most people fail because it's like sink or swim, you know? You have you have this you have a deadline, do this, bring in this much money or or whatever. Or maybe you need enough money for your family and and you jump in where it's commission only. You know, that's that's hard too. Whether you're selling stuff that people aren't supposed to have or not it's still hard. You know, it's not like okay, I can be a bad person and just sling crap. It's still hard to do that. You still have to be a good salesman. So that too. That's a good one too, Nick. Yeah. Oh, here's why. Finally. <laughs> it's too easy to get into the industry. Okay. It's a it's a week test and and a couple months and you're off to the races. Financial planning you can take you can take millions of dollars if you can convince somebody. So I think it's easy to get in over your head and it's it's very easy to enter the industry. And most people see the people who make money and just see them at the top and think that's what it's going to be. And then they they can't eat crap long enough because it's hard.
1: I think that's the game that that or that's a lot of one of the conversations you and I have with some of the younger folk is. We see that the bigger corporations are just playing the numbers game and they bring in as many people as they can. And then they provide them no sort of kind of outline training plan. And just it's we'll see who's here in a year.
0: It's like they were teaching people sales rather than teaching people, um, you know, financial planning and empathy. It's like those are the two things that I feel like you need to to succeed as an advisor. Is to understand how somebody feels. Understand that there's a real side to money, and then have a real planning process that actually helps people and provides value in terms of tax advice. Because, like, I, I saw I saw a comment from Anthony the other day, and he was like, "You know, the relationship only goes so far. You need results, and that's true. Um, and you have to invest the way that you believe in. But you know, things that you say have to happen. If they don't happen, then you know, it's it's then then maybe your expectations were off or whatever. But you know, you have to. That's all part of the sales process and all what you're doing, but we're here to help people and people, you know, either, either are supposed to keep their money or they're supposed to be able to spend it. It's supposed to last till 90. If it only lasts till 85, like we messed up, you know, so things have to happen and we have to follow through. So walk me
1: through that a little bit. You saw a post and, and it went, Far to the, it went a little farther into the investment side of things than it did the relationship side of things.
0: It was more Anthony saying, like, the relationship is super important. I think he understands that, but he was like, it only goes so far. People want results. And that's where I think financial planning comes in, is where you're providing real value rather than just putting somebody in something or setting somebody somewhere or just grabbing as much money as you can and investing for risk tolerance. That's where yeah, I, I like that. That
1: puts the feet to the fire on some of the kind
0: of. The higher level fluffy shit that we see. It's the same way of us being business consultants, whatever you want to call us, and us looking people in the eye and saying we should be making you money by a couple months. If we're not, then we're not doing something right. You know what I mean? Right. Because why, why would you be spending thousands of dollars with somebody or hundreds of dollars and it's not working out for you? So the same way that I can look somebody in the eye and say this financial planning process working with me is going to put you in a much better place, uh, regardless of you know, regardless. Like obviously, we go over all the fees, but it's a drop in the bucket versus the value that I know I can provide for somebody.
1: What do you think of Nick's comment here? People who are determined to survive will love it or and love it will survive.
0: That's kind of what I was saying is most, I, I just think most people like can't hack it. They can't deal with pain long enough. They want, they want short-term results and they think they think it's big money. Uh, they think it's something because it's so easy to get into. You're like you, you and you do have access as a salesman to go much higher, much faster. So I think it's enticing. But, you know, it's just hard. So I think I wonder about determined.
1: Like, I, I also think it takes the right personality because especially in today's world and where we live and to separate yourself as a person and a brand, you could be as determined as you want. But if you can't get that personality and message out into the world, like your determination will be seen by nobody.
0: And I would even say if somebody's like that, then they could still go work at like a um, like a T Row price on the in answering phones and working in finance and have like a job. Maybe they just don't be a financial planner because again, you're you're thrown in an entrepreneurial position and it is a it is a you you have to survive and you you have to grow and learn and and it's you know it's it's growing a business whether you want it to be or not, because you know, everybody is kind of like a solopreneur when they're starting.
1: Okay. The next part of the question, why do many advisors plateau and how do they break that?
0: I think they, I think they plateau because people found something that worked, but change is hard and adjusting is hard and learning new things is hard and, t- and time change, like time's changing so quickly, we have to adjust quicker. And if it's a one man shop, you basically just hit a capacity wall and you don't, have, you, don't, you don't test as much anymore. You don't want to throw out your, your money as much. Um, because maybe maybe you're a little bit unsure, or you're you're so busy with with current people, and then it and then you you just can't go any further until you start hiring somebody, until you start delegating. And some people can't do that, so I think they just get stuck.
1: Why can't they do that? Like seriously, I'm asking. Like you're 48, you've
0: it's scary to to, to hand to to hand over what you can do to somebody else and have a client who a relationship you've been working with for 10 years say, "You call my assistant" or something. You know or call the junior planner or whatever it is. Most people I think wanna say, call my partner, um, something like that, cause it because it feels more comfortable, but hiring people and delegating is, is difficult in the financial world cause it's a very one-on-one relationship game. And you also have to trust, like I said, when money's moving around and people are clicking buttons, like I've moved money, you know, it was, I, I wrote one number on an account number wrong and it transferred incorrectly to a wrong account. I had to fix everything. I had to be upfront and, you know, luckily enough, Colin was super cool about it like he always is and and didn't didn't yell at me or anything. But that was like a big deal. And I and I and I really knew what I was doing at that point. That was just human error. But I messed up and that was him, you know, Colin saying this is my relationship and I could have, you know, that, that was the very first introduction to me meeting that guy was was moving that money and messing it up. So I was very upfront with him and telling him what happened with the transfer and, and saying that and we're fixing it. Everything's going to be fine. It's not going to monetarily affect you. But it's, it's, you know, this is, this is what it's going to take a few more weeks than we thought because of this. And, you know, it's, it's, I think it's hard for people to let somebody else do that and let somebody go and make mistakes and learn and just understand that as an advisor, you make mistakes too. But it's much more comfortable when you make them versus when you see them. It's really hard to see a mistake, I realize.
1: I just see such a, like, I, I feel like that's such an undiscussed, m- ongoing, uh, situation for advisors I, I feel like there is a massive I've made it to a point and I've and that's happening yeah. and they are hungry still and maybe even the kids have left and there's another there's now um, this this yearning f- to grow this thing again and, and have passion for your baby again and mm-hmm. it's hard I think for advisors to reignite that fire and get going and I'd love to
0: know what your thoughts are around that and how you would coach them through that it's hard to sometimes I feel like with advisors that you're pushing them uphill. You know, you can't make somebody do something they don't want. You know, you do have to want to work and try things new and be accepting of change and and adjusting. And I think when you're starting and you're young and you're so hungry, you don't even think about it. You just do it. And then when you kind of make it, you don't want to adjust as much because, you know, but you forgot what got you there was that. And I think you just I think you know your business plateaus as you plateau and you're just you just realize like, you know, and sometimes it's like, is this enough? Because by the time you plateau, you're making a lot of money. So it's like, do I want to bring on more people? Do I want to hire people? Do I want to hire MCO and go through a process? Do I even feel like doing that? Mm. Most people want to delegate and say, and I think this is why lead generation is so big and other people who say they can bring you appointments because it's like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I love, but I love meeting people. Here's money and bring me people. And that's hard. It's very, very hard to do, and not many businesses are successful, capable of that. And it's, um, you know, it's just, it's just what it is. That's a really good point. I
1: wonder if that is maybe the the what what keeps that lead generation service in business because it's it's the advisors. You might have to move your phone.
0: Yep. Sorry.
1: Edward Jones sick, registration.
0: Sick <laughs> webinar. Good job, Corey.
1: <laughs> um. I, I, <laughs> I said wonder no if,
0: ads. Corey said ads, and now we have like 30 people coming to the webinar. So I was wrong.
1: No, Hopefully, more than that. Um,
0: yeah, I just I, right
1: yeah. I wonder if that's what the what keeps the lead generation services in business is that folks are realizing, advisors are realizing they they want to reignite and, and refire that business and get things going again, but they don't know how much work is necessary to do it. So then they maybe. They, they bite into the marketing
0: and salesmanship of the lead. We're, we're we're calculating creatures too. So it's like, and most of us are analytical to at least to a certain degree. Um, And, and so you, you say, what does this cost? And I'm telling you in the advisor world, if you have somebody who has half a million and you're taking 1%, that's five grand a year. If you get insurance and for, for and that say they actually need it, we're not just throwing stuff. You know, they have insurance, $5,000 premium, you get, Maybe maybe eighty percent of that, and you're making you know four some grand, and then you know on top of that, so you're like you're buying these programs, and you're thinking, man, if I only get one person, even term insurance, um, I can get some term insurance. I manage assets, uh, I, I the whole shebang. I get everything. I can refer them to a trust, whatever. It's it, some somebody coming into your world is, is also consistent every year. It's so fruitful. It's so easy to convince yourself that if I just spend X and I just do this. I'm going to get money. And I think that's usually why it works too, because if you do hit a relationship, even if it takes six months and you bury $6,000 into something, eventually you grab a person, you do a $6,000 plan. It sucked for that time, but that paid off. Then maybe the plan leads to something and you actually do, you know, make make money. So it's, it's, it's a mixture of like, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, there's so many people in the world. I think almost anything works as long as you do it hard enough, any program, whether we want to say they're good or bad.
1: Interesting perspective. Um, LinkedIn user. I like your comment, Nick. We had the realization within our practice uh, capacity issues. Hard to realize the upfront cost to reinvest, reinvest back into it, but it's the leaps you have to take to keep growing. Well said.
0: 100%. And that is Ben. What's up, Ben? thanks for, thanks for coming. I usually would call LinkedIn user Clay, but now I realize it's not always Clay.
1: We have so we two LinkedIn
0: users. Exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know why it does that to StreamYard. We can see you on the phone, which is why I like to do that. Cause then I can address the person, but yeah, thanks uh, for the
1: comment, Corey. I agree. Yeah. And I think Ryan would concur with this.
0: The other thing is most advisors, I'll say they get to a point, they, they, they earn success, right? So then they get the house and they get the stuff and you, it doesn't mean you can't afford it. But it does pinch you from from watering your business. And most people realize they're never going to take their kids out of private school to to hand money for either a program or something, you know, that adds to their business. They're like, I'm surviving here. Let me see what I can do. And usually that's why I think people stick to what they used to do, because they even think I already know this. If I just do this and I even if it's one percent of what used to happen back in the day, one client a year, I'm at least climbing. Right. I hit this much. I get a I can buy a car. You know, it's it's. It's it's I've easy got, to convince yourself. Um, I've got something right I want ahead. to ask you about that. That that yeah.
1: doesn't sound super healthy to me because do advisors play it that close to the
0: line on their salary versus the amount of cash left in the business? Advisors are people, and most of them, you know, it's like a plumber with a broken toilet. A lot of advisors, I would imagine, o- overspend because if you're in this for the money, then you're going to be spending it. You know, you want the lifestyle, and it's not a lot of people. Um, a lot of people live within their means, but it's people, personalities, you know, so not all advisors. I don't want to label everybody. Um, you know, I was I was frugal before I was an advisor. It's not like I became one and then this. So there's there's great advisors who I think spend a lot and great advisors who who. So But that's none. not even
1: frugal. That's like, you just sat with my wife and I and, and told us like, we need to bolster our savings and do a better job with our finances to protect ourselves in the future. And then you just jumped into a Mercedes that you or barely covering the note on like that would, that's not fair.
0: I'm not saying it's, I'm not whether it's fair or not, it's also the same as somebody who may, you know, drink and then they're not going to look at you and be like, you should drink. You know what I mean? It's bad habits. You don't want to share with people. So it's maybe something that they're not super proud of and they, they don't want to do, or I don't know. I I just think it's a personality thing. Not everybody likes to play close to the line. And sometimes you just get there. Sometimes life pushes you there. I mean, real life does happen. And sometimes you, you have to adjust your personal life, to, to, and it, and it takes away from your business. But if you want to grow your business, then it starts to tug at you a little bit because you're pulled in both directions. Not like you have to choose family or business, but at some point money has to go somewhere.
1: What's, I mean, this is a question you probably can't even answer, but I'd love to know like what kind of a percentage should people be versus doctors
0: smoke. That's a great example, Nick. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Which I find also fascinating,
0: Um, not even 20 feet away from the hospital, right? (laughs) Like, it's like, it's like 17 feet.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Um, What percentage, you know, of assets should advisors leave in a business to, to maintain it? Like, is there is there something that advisors should look at like this,
0: the business needs to have this amount of cash, so it can continue to prosper? I no because it depends you know what kind of business you run what your payout is how where your office is if you have that if you're virtual I mean it comes down to the the infrastructure of your business so everybody would have a different answer but if it's like you you tell everybody you know 3 to 4 months expenses um or 3 to 6 months expenses I would look at it like something like that like you should look at a percentage of your business as play money and marketing money and testing money, I should say, not play money, because um, I don't want people to think about it as just throwing it away, but finding new things. And, um, oh, sweet. Nick's comment came in and we agreed. That means, my, uh, that means at least my answer was more right than I thought before. You get a leaf uh, off the money tree. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So it's a pretty tree. (laughs) Um, I I just, and and really it depends what you want, right? If you want your business to grow, if you want your business to double, then man, you better cover the family. And then maybe you take a personal step back, whatever you can, you know, it's, it's Corollas and stuff like that. And you're just flooding money in your business. The more money you put in your business, the more money you're going to waste in your business, but the more it's going to grow. And I think people have trouble wasting it when they have their family, because you feel like. I just did something like think about us when we did ads at the beginning. You, we were thinking we could have done something that worked. You could have bought something for your kids, you know. Something it's 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 where your mind starts to go. So when you're established as an advisor, too, I think you plateau because you you worry about your family so much you don't take as much risk. But risk is what got you to where you are. So it's hard to balance those two things, and that's why I tell people and challenge them. Like think about what you really want. Do do you want more business because it means more time, it means more risk, it could mean more stress. And usually what we're telling people, the first thing is if you're busy and you're hiring us, here's a few things you can do, but probably means you should hire somebody. And, yeah, maybe, and then hire, that that's yesterday. a whole different business. It's a whole different business. to hire. Yeah, somebody. I
1: love that. You nailed that yesterday. It was like we so many conversations, like I just want more clients, which will increase my business. And then you're like, it sounds like you also don't want to work as hard because you told me
0: that you wanted to take some more time off and spend more time with your family. What people really want to do is shave the lower book of business and bring on where they are established now. And that's why I think people are so interested in growing, especially because you finally earn the right when you start sitting with, with money that makes you real money. And, and that's a time when I think you're, you're pulled in those directions, like I said, where it's like you're, you're afraid of a little bit of change, but you're, you're finally hitting that point you're get, and you're getting some referrals. So maybe you're not changing as much. Money's coming into you a little bit and your book starts to take care of itself. So it just at least puts you in a in a raised state where it's like, you know, you get a raise when you're when you're working enough referrals comes in. You're at least surviving and moving up, you know, And, and it's just maybe you don't have to grow as big. Maybe maybe you just don't need it. This is just that lifestyle business
1: versus building a bigger business.
0: right? And that's a good point of saying how you start. Right. Because every advisor starts by getting whatever they can and what I would tell you and what I'm going to do, which is which is is not going to be easy, but I have to practice what I preach, which is take my ideal avatar person and don't just take money. I'm, I can't just be here to make money. I have to work with I have to work, you know like to make money for my family to a certain degree. But to me, that would mean getting a part-time job or something, not not sacrificing the structure of my business and who I'm going to be working with. Because I know, and I've seen so many advisors, want to. they're upset with, it's not just the amount, it's really the relationship of the person that they didn't want. And it's because they were working with anybody they could before they had a system in place. So I was lucky enough to be somewhere... Where I saw that and I got to see the infrastructure, somebody who came from the kind of the wholesale side and realized that, you know, the real relationships come from the planning process to do that at the beginning. If people don't want to pay you, I didn't do a good job selling or they don't see the value in me. And that's a learning lesson for me. And moving on to the next person who will do that and not saying, well, you know what, maybe I'll do it for 250 or maybe I'll lower my prices. You I mean, to a business degree, you have to set in stone somewhere and figure that out. Um, and I think that's very hard to do because you're accepting not making money for an an unknown amount of time. And especially, like I just said, the other day, I turned it away. so it's it's not easy to do when i'm when I want to grow, but I know who I want to grow with, and I know what's worth it.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. and i I mean, I commend you for uh, being able to recognize that and and execute on that. Um, guys, just a little bit of marketing kind of help and notes for you all as you head into the weekend. One of the big things and and really think I've been just such a big proponent of it. And I think Ryan would agree. Your prospects and clients will be consuming content this weekend. Um, They're going to wake up tomorrow morning, grab some coffee and sit on the couch and watch the news between seven 30 and nine tomorrow morning. And their phone's going to be with them. So I don't know if your ideal client is in LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, email, uh, wherever they are. Um, you know, uh, print, you know, maybe you're, you know, make sure that you're getting your mailings out uh, if you're, if you have an older audience base. But my point is people don't take off from consumption on the weekends. So get your act together tonight, get, get, get your plan in place for the weekend. Cause that's, that's when this stuff will be consumed.
0: Um, I got to throw this comment in um, Nick threw in for every dollar you're paid today by a D client will cost you $3 in the future and that could be even in time and emotional capacity when it's, it's things, those are the things that I think slow people down. Growing, growing the right way, uh, what does Gary always say? How you make your money is more important than the amount of money you how make, money something you along this how much money you make, something like that, especially in the advisor world. I mean, again, I know we have to survive and I don't want to be all fluffy again, but but the, the value really comes with being as stern as you can and having a really strong stomach and building the right way, something that you're proud of and something that you work with people who value you. And it's just it's a because otherwise it's a mentally draining business because it's so personal and so relationship oriented having somebody who sits down with you and challenges you all the time is not fun regardless of how much money they have you know it's not fun it's really not it's just every day you're just like oh this meeting this call I click these buttons and it's just the money doesn't even become worth it it just sticks in your head and it starts to eat away at you you bring that stuff home i really believe that so one of the things i'm i'm really trying to do is be accepting of the mental health of the industry and realizing you know when when the markets go down I need somebody who trusts me and who's listening to me and who believes in me because otherwise it's just so stressful.
1: Yeah, that's that is huge. Like the markets aren't going to go up forever. And when they do go down, uh, that phone is going to yeah. be ringing.
0: We need to be we need to be on the same page. And if you don't believe in me and that happens, it's going to be just as stressful for me as it is for them, whether I believe in recovery or not, because I know I'm in the boat of trying to convince somebody not to do something like that I don't think they should do. But my my words aren't sticking because our, our relationship isn't strong and that, it can't be that way.
1: And human nature, it's really hard to watch hard-earned money disappear. So it's oh, yeah, yeah it's your money people. yeah
0: it's yeah exactly Same, for sure it's really easy for me to do that from far away but that's also when you get into the due diligence of risk tolerance and and expectations and telling people this happens this happens every couple of years the market drops every this happens refer back to the pandemic back to 2008 you know it's not you're not trying to scare people you're just showing them you know how would you i, I literally have the conversation i'm like okay you have this much money how would you feel if you lost fifty thousand dollars and she's like i wouldn't be able to do it i wouldn't be able to tolerate that at all and i was like i was like now i already know you know where we stand and um and it was and it's a big chunk of money but but all that they heard fifty thousand. i say well what about the percentage like how does that make you feel and they say you know when they're looking at the statements it's still are you going to get that monthly statement and you see that number and it's already ten thousand higher but you call me freaking out because it's one paper or you see it online whatever it's you know it's We just need to be on the same page. And then those things don't matter as much. You don't have as many headaches. You don't have as much stress.
1: Can I share just a personal, and I'm sure you can relate to this kind of situation. Mm In 2007 to 2009, I I was just a few years into the workforce. So I didn't have assets enough that I could have tossed money into the market while the market was crumbling. But I promised myself that the next time that happened, because I saw what happened, I was going to throw as many darts at the dartboard at good companies that I thought would be around because that is what you need to do during those times because the world will continue. And I will tell you that I have more money today than I had in 2007 and nine and more financial stability. And it was nearly impossible to put money into the market in March. And I literally, I remember being like, Corey, this is the right thing to do. This is the right thing to do. And I was like, but the world might end. Like the apocalypse is here. Like, and look what happened.
0: Yep. See? Um, and one of the reasons I want to be on the same page is because I never feel that way. You know, I just look at some, I just have to look somebody in the eye and say, I can't tell you when this is going to stop. I can't tell you when the bleeding's going to stop. I just t- can tell you it's going to because of what you're invested in, because it's what something that I, index funds, mutual funds, the, the whole world has to fall apart for you to go to zero. Like, you know, we have to wait for, we have to get, we have to wait to get back to where we are. You don't need money right now, do you? We have cash on the side, right? Those are the conversations like we're having if people are are freaking out. We planned for this, we, you knew this was gonna happen and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, most of you guys are good advisors. You understand how to talk people, but it's true. Like you see the emotion in it, Corey, and that's why it's so important. And I think that's why we have to learn Empathy, and we have to learn how people really feel about money because you can give them a thousand expectations. And people don't really know how something's going to feel until, as, until they see the statement. Yeah, but you money know, it's
1: comment you know. is funny and it's easy to say. And look, I've been in this industry for 16 years. Finance is all I've been in, you know, on a marketing capacity, but it's all I've been in. Yeah. I've heard this a million times and I've seen all the charts and I believe in it. Take that, you know, just take a regular person that you guys are all dealing with on a daily basis. They haven't been in the industry and it's, got to be really hard to have those conversations with them
0: yeah like at least Uh, i'm close to it yeah i agree and maybe too close i'm not sure i don't know how that works sometimes sometimes it can bite you i think sometimes an advisor i think also we think we know too much but um but there's there's that there's still the, the expectations and leading in with how that happens and and that's where the education comes in and it can be very basic but you definitely always lead in with You know, here's the here. If I'm planning, all it shows is returns. This is what it looks like at six percent per year. But we know that looks like six percent, ten percent down, twenty. You know, fifteen. You know, whatever. It's like a bouncing around. So you have those you have you have those conversations to make sure that you're on the same page and that you're like, hey, remember we talked about this? You can at least refer back to something. This this is why we're here. Well, I think we've
1: milked this topic for sure. Yeah. Um, Exactly. Zach, so we have our Jones webinar coming up next week, Jones Advisors Only, and we decided to <laughs> LinkedIn. Um, double down some ads on LinkedIn and they're doing really well. So,
0: mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the reason is because I it's a lot easier to throw an ad on LinkedIn and reach out to advisors than I think it would be for you guys to reach out to your idea people, just because especially advisors are sitting on their computer all day. Um, but it still is, uh, um, you know, maybe something to play it's an expensive thing to play with i'll tell you so the fact that it's working is the reason why we're still doing it linkedin is yes. expensive for Very sure expensive. Very expensive. um
1: i i for most advisors i would
0: be playing in facebook and instagram yeah. you can. specifically um zach because he focuses on the retirees yep or pre-retirees whatever, whatever he calls it
1: everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face
0: so true it's so true and getting punched in the face really does hurt. Anthony had a funny post where he was like, getting punched in the face gives you confidence or something. And I, I made a joke. Um, and that was because like starting in jujitsu, you always trickle into striking a little bit. I think not everybody, but you always try it. And we actually had kind of a, a jujitsu MMA gym. So I, was helped, I would help this guy spar every once in a while, who's an MMA fighter, because I love to test my jujitsu. He was like a wrestler, but he would he had small gloves on once and, and we were striking. And he punched me right in the nose or like in the side and it it just like it stunned me to the point where i was like uh my like nose swelled up i still can't breathe out of it correctly and i was like striking stupid and i don't like getting punched in the face so i am not <laughs> I'm sure this anymore <laughs> i didn't learn anything that day except for i'm not nearly as good as him and if i fight somebody i'm either going to run away or 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 we're going to the ground because punching is not my thing
1: <laughs> i think you learned a lot then you learned uh... oh yeah that's right i did learn a lot anthony was right
0: um uh fun show Next fun. week, next week, bunch of guests. We got card show. That's gonna be awesome. What are you gonna do for that show? Are you gonna bring some of your cards on? Are you just gonna tee him up with do you have awesome questions for him? I, I imagine you're super excited to be to meet meeting Tuesday night. I'm
1: gonna let I'm gonna just come with a handful of questions and let the audience I mean, I think the audience has a lot of questions and he, and his goal is gonna be I think just to give people some education around what the hell's going on. Nice. I mean, how, um, how much is the market moving? You know, they built a company that, that tracks the value of these things. I mean, that's, I think people are going to want to learn about that a little bit.
0: Yeah. That's pretty crazy. I'm really interested in it. So we'll, uh, we'll see. Um, who else do we have? We have the so card card
1: yeah. show on Tuesday night, nine thirty mm-hmm. p.m. PM So That'll be a night show. Grab a, you know, grab a, a night beer. show. Yeah. Um, and then Wednesday morning, we turn around right away with Samantha Russell, uh, CMO at 20 over 10. Mm-hmm. And then on Friday, we have Stacey Havner, um, CEO <laughs> and founder of
0: Haviner Capital. Nick canceled his, uh, <laughs> <laughs> his webinar. <laughs> that's funny. Great. I don't know. It just is. It just is. Um, good call. Good show. It's going to be a good show. Yeah, um, yeah Samantha Russell, that's going to be good. I'm trying to, I, I want to be, you know, do we we don't get to talk to her beforehand, right? Should no, we, we have a tight timeline with her too.
1: She's she's got
0: to be off. Uh, I think a thirty minute deadline. So we'll. I want to bring your questions, guys, because I feel like if you guys, you know, any questions you guys want to throw out, <clears throat> that's going to be big. Samantha Russell's uh, going to be a an impressive guest, I'm sure. So I'm I'm really excited to talk to her, um, especially with their merger recently, or bought or whatever just happened. Who'd they merge with? Um, I forget. Uh, I just, I just, I just looked it up. I just forget. Someone will um, tell us in the comments. Yeah. Or... Someone tell We were just talking, to, I was just talking to Nick about it and uh, that's what I forget. All right. Yeah. Nick is the best supporter. I uh, appreciate him very much. All right, guys, we will um, see you next week. A um, bunch of awesome guests. Obviously we'll still be on in between with, with great shows. Always reach out with your questions. Let us know what kind of guests you want to have on, what kind of topics you want. Cause, uh, that's what. Oh, uh, thank you, Nick. FMG. That's who. Yeah. So they merge with FMG. So FMG is um,
1: what the bigger corporation here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe. We we'll I'm sure it. she'll talk about it. I don't know to what yeah. degree. We, she'll dig into it. Um, I'd be interested to see if her whether her you know the answers are, um, how, how much she can even say. I don't know if it'll just be blanket and she it, it won't get into. How detail. Many websites, does, how many
1: of your websites, guys, in the comments? And I'd love to know like how many are being serviced or were built by twenty over ten.
0: I know. Um. At least three people I've talked to uh, yeah. recently. Now that's just—I think we brought it up in conversation. So I imagine a, a lot of people. I mean, are they the that way. Is twenty over ten? The
1: kind of the the monster in the industry, or is there someone else there? You know, when I got um, into the business, it was Emerald, and that was fifteen years ago. So I don't know who's who's doing
0: it. I now. don't. I don't know either. I don't know. Um, I would. It seems like it though. It seems cool. like it. All
1: right. Yeah good stuff good um you know enjoy friday have a good weekend everybody
0: nice oh cool so nick left M- fmg and then now he's with 20 or 10 and that then they, they got bought with <laughs> fmg whether he wanted it or not fmg's <laughs> chasing him yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah they did it just to get nick nielsen it's what yeah. right now they said we're no going to no, no we're gonna buy the whole company he's mm-hmm. not coming unless we get the whole thing yeah. we uh, bought aws right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just moving over transfer in kind a uh, mm-hmm. little financial joke for everybody. Okay, see you guys. We'll uh, see you tomorrow. We have calls and stuff, don't we? Like right. At yeah, we've we got a busy afternoon. We have stuff to do. Yeah, we have stuff to do. Okay, bye guys. See ya. Thank you for listening. We hope that you find value in this show.
1: We hope that you find value in MCO Advisors.
0: You finding success means everything to us.
1: If you found value in this show, please leave us a rating.
0: Thank you all.
1: Talk soon.